Discover community. Find hope and experience God. This is Discovering Hope with Pastor Patrick Severson. It's hard to believe that this week is Christmas. All the planning, the prep, the excitement. It's hard to believe that it's going to happen uh, this week. Looking forward to it. Exciting. When people think about Christmas, there's many things that kind of come to mind when we think about the Christmas season. Um, it's a time of gathering together with family, with friends. It's a warm cup of coffee or tea or hot chocolate on a, on a cold night. It's goodwill, it's service to others, it's Christmas trees and lights and beautiful decorations like what we have in the Great Hall right now. It's singing of Christmas carols like we just got done singing. It's the reading of Luke chapter 2 and reflecting on all that God has done for us. There are many wonderful, amazing things to enjoy and to celebrate and remind us of uh, the significance of the Christmas season. Uh, This year, Christy, my wife, really wanted to get a nativity scene at home. And so she looked long and hard, found the perfect nativity scene to have, and uh, we've got it in our dining room now. We've had it up for the last uh, number of weeks, and you'll see nativity scenes all around. We even have one in the uh, in the mall area right out here in the display case. We have a nativity scene. Some churches uh, even do like live nativity scenes, which are pretty cool. I guess uh, Holmes United Methodist Church just outside of town has a live nativity, and I guess it's really amazing. I've never had a chance to go, um, but what I've heard is that they just do a fantastic fantastic job with the nativity scene. There's something special about Christmas. And even as I say that, there can also be something challenging about a Christmas season, especially those who are going through challenging circumstances. Recognize that there are some in our midst who are are going through a recent loss, grieving the loss of a loved one. There's brokenness. There's uh, uh, maybe an unexpected move or a job loss and a shift or unexpected change. So the Christmas season for some can be hard. I, I get it. And I just wanted to recognize that today, that it can be painful for some as we journey into the Christmas season. But the message of Christmas, it gives us hope, even in the middle of difficult times. What I, what I find so interesting about the Christmas story What I find so just fascinating is that regardless of uh, background, regardless of uh, spiritual background, there's a good chance that you already know a significant portion of the Christmas story. I mean, it's it's read even in, in uh, you know the old classic cartoon uh, Charlie Brown. It's a Christmas, er, the Charlie Brown Christmas. So you got Luke chapter two is read in that. I mean, we see and hear the the Christmas story in so many different ways, from uh, candlelight services to, uh, like I said. Charlie Brown Christmas, in many different ways, this story. So it's regardless of your church background, your spiritual background, there's likely a good chance that you are familiar with Luke chapter 2, the story of Christ come, Messiah, born today as we celebrate Luke chapter 2. 
And while it's amazing that the story of Luke in, in the Christmas story, the, the birth of our Savior is so well known, it's, it's really cool that it's so well known. There's something dangerous about it being so familiar to us. Because we begin to forget that these are real people, real things that are taking place. They're not just figurines and a nativity scene. These are real people with real dreams and real expectations. And we begin to, uh, we need to recenter and, and to begin to reframe the way that we approach sometimes the Christmas story because it's so familiar to us. And so my hope today is that as we explore Luke chapter 2 on this Sunday right before Christmas, we look at this beautiful Christmas story, the Savior of our birth, that we do so with a fresh perspective, that we don't have in mind these cute little figurines of a nativity scene, but we think of them as real people, as real circumstances, as real things that took place, and we approach it with a fresh perspective. So here's a little bit of what I mean. When we think about the meaning and the purpose and the reason for Christmas, we often think of it this way. Messiah come. Emmanuel, which means God with us. And we think of it, which is true and right and appropriate, but I think that there's something more about the Christmas message that we need to be reminded of, that we need to hold on to, That it is more than just a Savior has been born to us. That there's something significant about this story, Emmanuel, God with us, that he wants us to experience. And so I hope today that as we go through, that we see this more than just a story of Christ is born, which we celebrate, but there's something more to it. And we'll see that as we go along, the full message of Christmas And so for our time today, we're going to read Luke chapter 2. But before we do that, I just want to mention, we're going to focus on this through the perspective of the shepherds, okay? We're going to look at how did they experience this Christmas story? How did they experience Luke chapter 2? And we're going to learn from the way that they responded. And we're going to learn from what we see them doing here. And we're going to walk away with five action words in response, okay? So we're going to read this story. We're going to let the shepherds guide us to experiencing Emmanuel in new and fresh ways. And as we do, we're going to come away with five things that are going to help shape us and help us do so. So five action words. So let's look at Luke chapter 2. You can follow along uh, on your phone, your tablet, your your Bible, up on the screen. Uh, Let's open up Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8. Again, from the perspective of the shepherds. Again, real people experiencing real events, things that happen. These aren't just stories. These are real things taking place. And it says this, verse 8, And there were shepherds living out in their fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great 
company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to man, whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told of them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all of these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they were told. Amazing story. So much that we can learn from it. Again, letting the shepherds guide us through this so that we can experience Emmanuel in maybe fresh, new ways, or maybe the first time that you will experience Emmanuel for yourself. But let's look at five actual words. The first one is this. The first action or the first point is this, anticipate. We see that in the shepherds. It's a little bit more implied here. It doesn't explicitly state that in Luke chapter 2. But we know that they anticipated that the, the nation of Israel, or that the Jews and the Israelites were anticipating something and for good reason. It's part of the background of the story. They were waiting in anticipation. And I don't know about you, but there are a lot of things that I anticipate, things that I look forward to, things that I want to enjoy one day, uh, you know, one day, just once in my lifetime. Just once. I would love for the Vikings to finally win a championship. I mean, I anticipate that. Week in and week out, I watch these games. I anticipate, only to have my heart crushed again. I'm learning. Um, My dysfunctional relationship with the Vikings has changed, and my life is a lot happier. (laughs) Um, uh, No, but I do. This is one of the little things. I wish that they would just win a championship once. Every spring kind of rolls around, and especially this time of year, man, I get antsy. Because as I've shared before, one of the things that I really enjoy doing is riding motorcycle. And every day I drive into my garage and I see my motorcycle parked right there. And I was like, oh, I can't wait to hop on that and drive around. It's just one of those hobbies and things that I really like. So I anticipate spring and I'm looking forward to it. And there's a lot of little things in life that I anticipate and I look forward to. And while it's fun to think about those things and maybe you have things that you anticipate, maybe this Christmas season you're anticipating some things that will take place that you're looking forward to, a vacation, time with family, friends. Those are all wonderful things. They're fun things to look forward to, but I don't think they speak to the type of of anticipation that we see here in Luke. And I don't think it quite fits the bill with what we see as far as the shepherds, the Jews, waiting in anticipation. I don't think that's kind of what we're talking about here, what we see in the background of Luke. Because they longed and they anticipated for something more, something greater than just the little things in life. They longed for and they anticipated a Savior to come. And our hobbies and our little things that we enjoy don't, don't quite correlate. I think what better correlates and, and kind of matches the type of anticipation is the longings that we have 
the longings that we have to not experience pain anymore, not to experience suffering anymore. You know, there's a day that I, I long for when Jesus brings me home and I'm in glory and I don't suffer, I don't experience pain, disappointment, and I'm reunited with Jesus in a, in a glorious, beautiful way. I long for and I anticipate that day. And I think that type of anticipation better describes what the Jews and the shepherds here were anticipating in coming Messiah. They were longing for, they were waiting and I think the, the circumstances that they were in, for 400 years, God had remained silent from the end of the Old Testament to the time Christ was born. God had not spoken in authoritative ways. He was silent. And they waited. And they longed for. And the oppression of the Roman government, who was over them, oppressing them, I think even created a longing that was deeper for coming Messiah who would rescue them from the oppression that they were experiencing. And so there is so much more here that they were longing for than just little things in life. They longed for coming Messiah. What's interesting in Luke chapter 2, the 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 reading of it, it doesn't talk about the shepherd's spiritual background. It doesn't talk about whether they were faithful or not. Many scholars think that they were really religious, that they were really faithful, that they were really seeking God. It doesn't say that, but here's what we do know about that time, is that the occupation of a shepherd was kind of looked down upon. Where once in the Old Testament, it was kind of more of a respectable occupation. We think of King David before he became king. He was a shepherd. It was more of a respectable occupation, but now it really wasn't. Now it was kind of a look down upon occupation and way of life. And part of the reason was because as the intertestamental period, that time of silence between when the Old Testament finished and Jesus came, the, the Jewish leaders began adding more and more regulations to how the law was practiced, to how their faith was practiced. And these regulations and these additional rules became a burden on the people, and it really became impossible for the shepherds to live out their faith because of the way of their occupation. And so they, they couldn't practice their faith, and so they were looked down upon. They were looked at as unclean, as less than spiritual, because they couldn't live up to the standards of that day. And what I find so interesting is that this is the group of people that God selected to tell for the very first time the Christmas message. A group of religiously marginalized people. A group of people who the religious leaders said, you're not living up to enough. And this is who God selected to say, the greatest, the greatest message in all of history for the first time, these group of men are going to hear it. I find that fascinating. So while we don't know the religious background uh, and the faith practice of the shepherds, likely they were men who were anticipating and longing, and likely they were because of the oppression that they were feeling, both from the Roman Empire, but also from their own community within, that they were seen as outcasts. 
And so they longed for and they desired for something. Now, how can the shepherd's anticipation help us experience Emmanuel? How can that be a guide for us to experience Emmanuel in a fresh and new way this Christmas season? Because the the busyness of the holiday can distract, right? I mean, I get it. It's a crazy time right now. We're running all over for a lot of us. And it could be easy to forget about the things that we truly long for, the things that we want to see God do and anticipate. And we push them aside because of the busyness and all the things that are going on. And when we look at it and we look at, okay, what are some of the things that I anticipate? What are some of the things that I long for? And these are the things that only Jesus can satisfy. All of our deepest longings can only be satisfied in Jesus. We just go about the wrong way of trying to satisfy him. And so when we look at the things that we anticipate, do they point to, or they can point to, our need for Messiah? And so the shepherds anticipated, and we too anticipate and long for things that only Jesus can satisfy in our lives. And so we experience Emmanuel in a new way, in a fresh way, by recognizing our anticipation and need for him. So that's the first word, anticipate. The second word that we see out of this story um, in our guide, our shepherd's guide to experiencing Emmanuel is this, receive. Not only did the, the shepherds long and anticipate the coming Savior waiting for God to move in like these amazing ways, the shepherds received, absolutely received the message of the angel. Now I'm assuming they had to calm themselves first, right? I mean, can you imagine? Can you imagine what they experienced? I mean, they're out in this field, and all of a sudden, the glory of the Lord, it says, is shown around them, and there's these angels. I mean, I imagine that they kind of had to, like, catch their breath and, like, calm their heart um, and, and really listen to what the message of the angel was about. It, it's really kind of crazy to think about what it must have been like. You know, one of my favorite places to go camping is in the Boundary Waters Canoe Area. I don't know if you've been there before, but there's... Uh, like a million acres of remote land that's only accessible by canoe. And it's like the series of lakes, and you can portage and go to different lakes. It's amazing. One of my favorite places to go. I I love it. And it's just so remote, one of the most remote regions, uh, one of the remote places in our region, I should say. And one of the things that I really enjoy doing when I'm out in the Boundary Waters is looking up in the night sky. Right? I always pray, oh man, I hope it's not cloudy. I hope I could see the stars because it is absolutely breathtaking and stunning. And I remember there was one time my buddies and I we were on a, a canoe trip in the Boundary Waters and it was a beautiful night and we went out on this big boulder, smooth rock boulder that was kind of like right next to the calm waters of the lake. And we sat out there and we looked up at the stars and it was just amazing. And then one of my buddies, who's like doing something, he's kind of searching for something without like even warning us, he flipped on his flashlight. And I was like, whoa, man, you know, because our eyes were like used to the darkness of the the sky. There was no uh, artificial light. There were no city lights. It was just the beauty of the night sky. And he flips on his flashlight. It was like, whoa, man, what are you doing there? And that was just one simple flashlight. Now imagine these shepherds, they're out in a field at night. I mean, the star's out in full glory, beautiful. No artificial city lights, nothing of that nature, no planes flying, nothing like that. Just out in the field, in the middle of darkness, and all of a sudden, boom! The glory of the Lord displayed through an angel appears to them. I mean, can you imagine? 
the shock and the response. It's just like, holy, what is going on here? Is the glory of this angel appeared to them. And imagine that they had to collect themselves before they could receive the most spectacular news ever declared today in the town of Bethlehem. A Savior has been born. To these lowly outcasts, likely seen as unclean shepherds, the angel declared to them, the Savior has been born. Notice what they didn't do. They didn't sit around to debate the message. They didn't sit around and go, you know, the angel just said that, you know, the Savior's born. What should we do about it? We notice in their response, they received the message. They received the message of the angel that a Savior had been born. Some of you are here today and you haven't received the Christmas message. You haven't received for yourself that Jesus, Messiah, has come to take away the sin of the world, to allow us to have relationship with God the Father, that he has become what we needed to be and we couldn't, and that he is our Savior. Some of you here today haven't received that for yourself. And I can almost hear maybe some of the objections, like, right? I can, I can almost hear some of you who maybe are, are, are a little skeptical, maybe are a little like, I don't know, but you know what? If an angel appeared to me like that, I'd sure believe, right? If the glory of the Lord appeared to me like that, well, I'd sure believe. And we, we forget that the glory of the Lord is all around us. Like we, we forget that, you know what, we have God's word that we hold in our hands, that he has spoken to, that he has declared, that has stood the test of time, that is there, that is breathed by God himself, and we hold it, the glory of God is right here. And when we forget that we see the glory of God in the way that we worship and we, we worship and we declare the truths of Scripture. We gather together and we sense and we see God's presence in powerful ways. You know, one of the things that our, our staff team hears rather frequently, not, not in every circumstance, but a lot of times what we hear uh, when people come to Hope Church for one of the first times and they walk through the doors, it's not uncommon for us to hear this. There is just something different. I don't know what, I can't explain it. There was something different than when I stood and I stepped into the doors of the church and I walked into the worship center. It just felt different. But we hear it frequently. We do. And dare I say this, because the presence and the glory of God is here. We say, I need an angel. God's presence is here. His glory is all around us through his word through his presence when we worship. And also, here's what amazes me. His glory is on display through lives who've been changed and transformed by the message of Christmas, the message of his love. I mean, there, there are people here whose lives have been radically changed. People who have walked away from addiction. People who found healing for their marriages. People who have been restored. Not that we're perfect, but we're a lot different than where we were previously. And the testimony of lives changed, like radically changed. 
is a testimony of God's glory in powerful ways. It, it wouldn't matter if a thousand angels came here. If you can't see the glory of God through the lives changed, through the power of his word, and through when we gather, we declare truths through worship, a, a thousand angels ain't going to convince you. They're not. The glory of the Lord is all around us. We just forget it. We just aren't looking for it. But when we pause, we receive the message of Christmas. A Savior has been born. We see the glory of God in powerful ways. Have you received the message of Christmas? A Savior born to you and to me. The third action word that we see in our shepherd's guide to experiencing Emmanuel, God with us, our Savior, is that of respond. They anticipated, they received, and then they responded. Luke 2, verse 15, it shows that right away these shepherds left and went to go see Messiah. They left, they responded, they went immediately to go find Messiah. The message of Christmas always requires a response. It does. We can't hear the message of God's love that Savior has come, born to you and me to take away the sin of the world, that we might have a relationship with him and not respond. It always requires us to step into and respond one way or another. And one of the most compelling ways one of the most compelling ways that we could tell if we've anticipated, if we receive the message, is how we respond. Have we responded? Because belief, as we see in the, in the shepherds, belief leads to action. If we receive something, it requires us to respond a certain way. If we receive the message of Christmas, we need to respond. It is faith in action. Our faith is not passive. We respond by moving toward the Savior like the shepherds did. They went and immediately sought Messiah. So what does that look like for us today? How do we respond and move towards Messiah? Well, again, we have God's word. God's spoken word through Holy Scriptures that we get to hold, that we get to know and experience Messiah through His Word and the way that we declare it, the way that we read it. There are various Bible studies to get involved in, to get a group of people, study God's Word together, respond by seeking Jesus. We respond by coming to worship like this and listening to God's Word taught, and we seek God in deeper ways. I don't know how many times I've sat while Pastor Paul has preached or any one of our other pastors and I've experienced Emmanuel in a new way. I've been reminded of something important. We respond by being in God's word, seeking him, learning from him, going to Messiah. We may not have a physical manger that we're running to, but we have God's word that he invites us to know him and to experience him. Anticipate, receive, respond. And then Luke 2.15 reminds us that we get to experience Emmanuel. Experience him and Savior for ourselves. Luke 2.15. It says that the, the shepherds responded and they said, let us go to Bethlehem and see 
What's interesting in the original language, that word for see is edon, right? The word edon in the original language, and it means really in one way to experience for themselves. Like, let's go and experience Messiah for ourselves so that we go, we anticipate, we long for, and we recognize our longings point to Savior. We receive the message that has been declared boldly through his word, the message of the angel. We receive and we respond by going to Messiah and seeking him. And then we experience him for ourselves like shepherds did. They went and they found the Savior just as they were told. And as a result, their lives were changed. Forever changed the shepherds. You see, once you experience the glory of Christ and you experience it for yourself, your life is changed. It is. That doesn't mean it's perfect. It doesn't mean that we don't have setbacks. But we're changed. You're invited this Christmas to cut out the noise the distractions, to recognize our anticipations, to receive, to respond, and to experience Savior. Maybe in ways that you never thought. I don't know what God's doing in your life. I don't know if you've truly experienced Emmanuel, God with us. Maybe today is a time. If you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, to receive him as your Lord and Savior, man, I encourage you, listen to the message. The message of the angel that a Savior has been born and receive it. Respond by going to Messiah and experiencing him for yourself. Before I give the fifth action word, which is be something that we do real quick, we're going to respond by going to Savior. We're going to respond by singing, O come, all ye faithful, as a congregation. And may this be an invitation, not just to sing a familiar Christmas carol, but to respond to Emmanuel, God with us. If you've never made that decision, I encourage you, put your faith and hope and trust in Jesus as we sing this song. And and maybe you have before. Maybe you've already declared Jesus is Lord of your life, but man, you've been all wrapped up in the distractions, and this has been a good reminder for you to experience Emmanuel. I encourage you, use this time to do a spiritual reset in your life. I don't know, for some, responding in a physical way is, is really helpful. If you want to, you can come as we sing the song, just come to the front as a declaration that you want to experience Emmanuel, either for the first time or in a new way and recommitting your life to him. And you could do so. You don't have to. I'm not pressuring you. And if you don't, it doesn't mean that your decision isn't real. But I know, sometimes responding in a physical way is helpful. So if that is meaningful for you, feel free to come up. 